Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dafa Shavua as we study Mesechus Ksua, Staf Lamed Aleph. Thank you so much, Rabbi Israeli, for carrying us through Kimle Durabimine. I want to give you a uh, Kimle Durabimine application. I mentioned this briefly in the Shabbos Shuvah Drasha, Shabbos Agadal Drasha, uh, something from Rechaim Knievsky. It actually comes up on our Daf, at least a related concept. Kimle Durabimine is when you have an action. You, let's say, rip something off of somebody on Shabbos. You rip their uh, grapes off of a branch. So you have two issues over here. You should owe this person money, but you're going to end up getting punished from the Rebunishlola. Now, there still may be a certain value in giving the money to the person, which is a separate discussion. But the actions... It's really one action, but it has two applications. One, Chil Shabbos, and the other, as far as Geneva, have to be simultaneous. We'll see how we define simultaneous on the daf, which uh, hopefully you've already looked at before listening to this. But remember, the Reb Chaim asked a question, Reb Chaim Knievsky, relating to Rechush Gadol. The Mitzrim were punished, they were killed in the sea. So why should the Jews also get the Rechush Gadol? You see, it was a double win for the Jewish people. We're talking about even the Rechush Gadol in Mitzrayim, but also the Rechush Gadol that they got the, the double whammy after Kriyas Yamsef. So Rechayim said, no, they're two different things. The Rechush Gadol was for Geneva. They stole the Jewish money, they stole the Jewish property, or at least they owed them back pay. That goes back to Mitzrayim. The chiv of the murder was for chasing them through the Yamsuf or other applications where they killed the Jews. So again, you see where if the masa is split, you're going to end up with a requirement of uh, payment and punishment from the Rebbeinah I want to give you a very interesting case that comes to Rip Yitzchak Zilberstein and Chashukei Chemet. It's just a good way to uh, summarize some of the issues that have been discussed in Kimelay Durav and have a good time at it. So here's the basic situation. A guy finds out from uh, Petek, from a little note that was left on his uh, car that Someone hit his car on Shabbos, and he should call the person who left the note to find out who hit the car on Shabbos. Now, the first question we have to deal with is a category called Maisa Shabbos. You're not allowed to benefit on Shabbos from an action taken on Shabbos. So, for example, if you're going to have Dunkin' Donuts at a local place, it's a question whether you could go right after Shabbos if they're cooking for the Jews. It was very controversial this year. I told people not to get Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme Motzei Pesach because people didn't eat enough on Pesach. They needed those donuts. I said, I don't know. There's a good chance they're cooking for you. Maybe it was a chumrah. And you have many other areas in Halacha where this is going to come up. So the first question where Zilberstein says... Maybe this guy who had his car hit, apparently by another Jew, 
but the pet deck, the, the note was definitely written by a Jew, he shouldn't be able to get any benefit from it. So Rav Zilberstein gives a number of reasons why it wouldn't apply. The most basic reason is that the reason why the purpose wrote it, the reason why the person wrote it was not really for the benefit of the damaged car owner. Again, we're dealing here with the Isra Shabbos of Ksiva. I should have said that, it's obvious, but it was really for his benefit so that he should be remind himself to let the person know. He could have written it even afterwards, after Shabbos, and put it on there. Okay, so Maisa Shabbos we've taken care of. Things are looking pretty good that the guy could get paid back. But then we have another problem. The person driving his car, or her car on Shabbos, is violating an Isser, Isser Daraisa. Paying the money back is obviously something that would be done if it wasn't happening at the same exact time where someone is being over where there would be Misa, whether it be Deshamayim with Hasra, etc., there would be Eskila, and Kimle Durabamine. So this guy looks like he's in trouble. You get your hit, car hit on Shabbos, and then you're not going to be able to collect. Now, what's interesting is Rev Zilberstein wants to raise something. This is a very B'nai Brock idea. He says maybe the guy who hit him, he's obviously a Mechal Shabbos, and he should be under the category of Tinok Shanishba. Tinok Shanishba is actually an old category, but it was made famous by the Chazonish. We know the Chazonish was no Mekel, but the Chazonish felt that secular Jews have the status of Tinok Shanishba. Tinok Shanishba literally means it's a child that's been taken captive, and therefore they're not responsible to the same extent for their actions. In the past, if you had someone who violated Shabbos, we assume that person was violating Shabbos for one of two reasons. Either because he was a mumrlateavo, and maybe at that minute he couldn't give in, but especially when it came to Shabbos, it was a mumr lahachis. Because Shabbos is something that's so serious, not just because of the punishment, but because of the theology associated with it, as Hashem being the creator of the world, and all those associations with Hashkachas Hashem in the world. So this could generate a Jew who's a mumr lahachis, touching wine, could become yayin nesach. It would mean that there's totally no nemanis in the realm of kashras. There would be questions whether you have to return Avedos to them. There's a question as far as does the apply. So the Chazonish comes up with this unbelievable kula that became very popular in Eretz Yisrael called Tinok Shanishba. And therefore, maybe if you say this person is a Tinok Shanishba, it's not going to be a Kimle Durav because he's not violating Shabbos on purpose. And therefore, the Tashlumim would come in. You see a certain uh, disadvantage of being a Tino Shanishba. Now, Rav Zibelstein's conclusion is no, because even if it's Bishogeg, the violation of Shabbos, that and Shogeg basically fits into one of two categories. Either you don't know that it's Shabbos, or you don't know that this halach is prohibited on Shabbos, that would be called shogeg. You would technically have to bring a carbon chattis. Some say you even have to bring carbon chattis when Mashiach comes, separate discussion. So he 
is telling us Tinok Shanishba is a shogeg. I could argue, based on some other sources, which you don't have time for now, that maybe a Tinok Shanishba is not in the category of, shone, of shogeg, but is in the category of an ones. It's the society that is forcing him into it, and I don't think in that situation we would say Kim Le So that's just a little chiddush from Baum, but Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein smarter than me and didn't say it. But that's a discussion of Tinak Shanishba. It's interesting to talk about it. This week I'm recording it. It's uh, the week of Eor Hei or Yom Atzmut, Yom Atzikaron. These issues come up just to understand the history of the state of Israel, what uh, the great Chazonish was trying to accomplish by bridging some of the gaps with the Chiloni community. Now, a lot of secular Jews, just while we're talking about it, they don't like this category. They find it to be very demeaning. You know, you imagine you go over to someone and you call him a child, a child shenishba, just because he, in his mind, or in her mind, they've chosen to reject halacha. They don't want to be called a tinok shenishba, they want to be called uh, rejecters of halacha. Now, you take into mind what I would say over here from Reb Chaim Salavechik is, you know, to be an apikaris, you have to know a lot of Torah. So to really deny everything and to be lahachis, you'd have to know a lot. But the Russell Gedolim, including Reb Shlomo Zalman, who weren't so uh, comfortable using the term Tinok Shanishba. Let's say you have a kid who is totally educated in the, whether it's the Haredi system, the Dati Lumi system, and at a certain point, they uh, go off the derech. Now, very often people go off and they come back, I think especially in Eretz Yisrael, because it's such a, you're still living with Jews all around, and even here in the United States, it happens more and more. He wasn't thrilled. And then there's going to be major nafgaminas. It won't be a nafgamina here, in the Kim Le case, unless you give Shalom Baum's understanding of Tinak Shanishba as being an ones as opposed to Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein's understanding of it being a shogeg. But then he finds a case which you actually could say Kimle Duravmine will not apply. This was my Shabbos discussion yesterday. Baruch Hashem, Mesechus Ksuvah, made it to my Shabbos meal. So I asked this little question at the table. I said, could you give me a situation to some people at the table who knew uh, the sugi of Kimle Duravmine? I said, could you give me a situation on Shabbos where Kimle Duravmine would not apply? So let's think about it. Uh, you, you drive in a car on Shabbos and you bang into someone someone's car. Kimle Duravmine. So you have two issues over here. You have the payment, which is going to end up being superseded by the punishment from Bezdin or from Shemayim. Again, whether it's Shogeg or whether it's Bemezin, put Ones aside. So a very smart guy at my table. I don't want to give him credit right now because I didn't ask him. He said, let's say it was Hatzala. Uh, so now you're dealing with Hatzala. If Hatzala is driving on Shabbos, there's no Isser. You understand? Now they should drive safely. But if Hatzala is driving on Shabbos or you're driving your wife to a doctor's appointment on Shabbos, and you end up hitting another car, chas v'shalom, that is not going to be two isurim that are in front of us. You only have one isur. <coughs> the only prohibition you have over here is nazikin, right? Because your shar has damaged someone else's shar, or your car has damaged someone else's shar. So this should end up with a payment requirement. 
However, there's an exception to this rule. The general principle is that when you're involved in doing a mitzvah, especially a mitzvah of Hatzalah, then if there's some collateral damage that allows you to do the Hatzalah, then you're not responsible. You know, some of this, just from theory, legal theory, is incentive. You want to have incentive, as many incentives as possible, to get someone to a hospital on Shabbos. That's why Ramosha, for example, and I'm not giving halachalamais unless you ask me, if someone drives their wife who's in labor on Shabbos to the hospital, then you're able to drive them back. What's the reason for it? Because we're concerned that if you wouldn't be able to drive them back, then maybe you wouldn't uh, drive in the first place. Now, it doesn't sound like the most loving guy, but that's a general principle. You'll have it with not just with Hatzalah, but also in the personal world. So through Kimlei Drabine Meseches Ksuvis, we get to look at uh, so many different issues, and something that you would think is totally not practical is practical. Now, just to conclude, where Rav Zilberstein throws in something that's Sarachian, he says maybe in all these cases you really would have to pay. Because whose responsibility is it to pay? It's not really the responsibility of the injured party, the guy who had his, not injured party, but the guy who had his car injured. It's the insurance company. And then it goes into how he explains the nature of a contract with your insurance company. It's not that the insurance company is paying for a specific act. The insurance, you, you have a deal with the insurance company that when your car is damaged, they have responsibility to pay for it. You've already contributed, and now it's out of your hands. This comes up, by the way, if it sounds like a little bit stretch, it comes up sometimes in a yanim of a bezden. You take someone to a bezden. But if that person, you have to take someone to a Jewish court. But if that person is uh, represented by an insurance company, so let's say Shalom, you want to bring malpractice against the doctor, it's not going to go to the Bethlehem of America because that doctor has given up the control of this situation to his insurance company. So that's what Rib Zilberstein, at the end, basically comes to that conclusion. So here's Kim Leib Diravmine in real world. In B'nai Brak, it could happen here in Teaneck as well. And uh, hopefully we avoid any of these situations. We should be able to drive our babies to shul. We should be able, I'm saying, to the hospital. And of course, on Shabbos, it's fine. It's a mitzvah. But these damaging cases. What's also very funny about this, uh, funny but tragic about the situation, is going back to the beginning the guy who's really doing a mitzvah by writing a note on Shabbos. You know, maybe we call it a mitzvah habab yavera. He means well. He's writing it for his own sake, so he should remember his own consciousness, but he's really trying to do it to protect another citizen. But he didn't know it was Shabbos, or he knew it was Shabbos and he didn't care. That's the type of person maybe you'd want to call a Tinoch Shanishba, because you see very sincere motivations. Just in the area of Bein Adam Lamakom, he doesn't have the same sensitivity as he has in the area of Bein Adam Lachavera. Okay, I wanted to give you a little bit different spin on Kimle, and you should have a great week of learning.